0: You know, you just don't replace gluten with a hydrocolloid. You just don't re- replace gluten by reducing water absorption. You replace gluten by a better quality flour, better fermentation uh,
1: procedures, and definitely enzymes. Welcome to Sense Sliced Bread. I'm your host, Charlotte Ashley, editor of Baking & Snack. Ingredients, raw materials, transportation. All of these costs are rising as the global supply chain constricts under the pressures of labor shortages and the pandemic. At the same time, the baking industry continues to grow as consumer demand holds steady. In this season of Sense Slice Bread, we're looking at how your bakery can make it through to the other side of this crisis. In this episode of Sense Slice Bread, I spoke with Lynn Carson, founder and CEO of Bakerpedia. Supply chain issues have caused shortages in critical bakery ingredients like vital wheat gluten and dough conditioners. Lynn shares with us how bakers can adjust their formulas to make up for these missing ingredients. Welcome to Scent Slice Bread, Lynn. Thank you, Charlotte. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. How's it going in the baking industry?
1: Well, as you know, we've got these massive supply chain issues that we're all talking about. Uh Yeah. And I really wanted to talk to you about um, the ingredient side of things. Um, We've seen, I've had lots of conversations with bakers about having to pivot really quickly with their ingredient suppliers, either trying a completely new supplier a new ingredient to kind of make up for shortages that are happening out there in the marketplace right now.
0: Yeah, that that with the shortage in labor really, really hurts right now for a lot of bakers, and that's what we're seeing as well. The first thing that I would recommend doing is to really understand your flour or mm-hmm. train the people on the floor on how to read flour COAs and and where the flour is from, what's the protein, ash, and moisture. So basic flour knowledge.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And once you know your flour um, and once you understand how it works, it's easier to manipulate when um, you are trying to change, say, for example, dough improvers. So one of the key things that I ask people to do is who reads the farinograph on the floor or who Mm. looks at the farinograph when it comes in, who understands the moisture, ash, and protein analysis when it comes in. And does more than one person know how to read that graph? And most of the time, the answers would be no, it's only this person who knows how to read it. Well, that person doesn't work all shifts, right? Right. So it has to be a group of people who understand flower quality, who understand how that flower comes in, and what the absorption is. Because once you understand the flower quality and understand mm-hmm. the absorption, that's when you know how to manipulate your um, dough conditioners and mm. dough conditioners and other supporting minor ingredients like starches and gums mm-hmm. are all really dependent on flour quality. Once you figure out or have your team figure out what the flour quality should be, then mm-hmm. adjusting for those
1: minor ingredients are going to be so much easier. What ingredients out there are you seeing are having the most difficult time sourcing right now? Is it the starches and the gluten still or are we moving on? to absolutely.
0: I think there is a really short supply of gluten Mm -hmm. and uh, I think the alternative would be to look at Mm gluten-enhancing solutions like enzymes and um, and understand, like, you know, um, can you get that extra strength from your flour? And right. a lot of flour scientists or dough, flour and dough scientists will tell you strong flour naturally comes from aged flour. Aged mm-hmm. flour is naturally oxidized over time. So could you help implement that into your system? Give the flour a little more time to air out and age a little bit? Look at dough-enhancing strengtheners like enzymes. So a lot of bakers may not be able to work with enzymes directly, Mm. so they have to work with their dough-improver providers, right? Right. So the relationship there is really important. Understand um, that the person being sent to your facility from the dough conditioner supplier should be an expert, should be reading your flower COAs and understanding the strength of your flower, right? That's the first requirement um, I ask for whenever a dough conditioner supplier comes to my plant Mm. is read my COAs and tell me what I need, you know? And many uh, dough uh, conditioner providers have that expertise on hand, you know, and they should be able to work with you to figure out an enzymatic solution mm-hmm. to enhance the dough strength of your current flour. And it's a continual working relationship for you and your flour miller mm-hmm. to get you to a point where you're comfortable with that particular protein quantity and quality. Mm-hmm. And it's usually not an immediate fix, right? Right. So, that's a working relationship that I encourage all bakers out there to really sort of solidify. Understand your miller, where they're getting their grains Mm -hmm. from, and ask for the right quantity and quality that fits that plant. So, every plant is going to be different because every plant has different fermentation systems. If you have a sponge and dough plant that ferments the dough for more than four hours, your protein requirement for that particular plant is going to be lower Mm -hmm. than a plant that does straight dough. Right. Okay. So you need to understand the demands. uh, If you're a buyer, you need to understand the demands of your plant. Each plant is going to have different um, requirements for protein quantity and quality. And you know, it's, it's, it, I've seen so many bakers move towards a straight dough process with the requirement of, you know, gluten and uh, 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 lesser flour quality. Mm-hmm. But those golden days are almost gone, mm-hmm. That we can't like <laughs> add in gluten where we want to, right. right? So that this is why the sponge and dough uh, plants, uh, this is why they are more beneficial because they can handle lower uh, um, protein quality and quantity, you know, and these are the kind of plants that if you take away gluten immediately, they may be able to survive, you know, so, you know, taking a bird's eye view on this, taking a um, a long term view of this, this is why sponge and dough is so important. But if you're in a a stuck situation right now, and you're a straight dough plant, and you like really a lot on gluten, there's really nothing else you can do, but work with your miller to get in more protein into that flour. And then work with your dough conditioner um, uh, providers to get the right kind of enzymes so that you can reduce the uh, dependency on gluten. One more point I would like to add is yeast. There has been an increase in usage of yeast. And I don't think that is something that any baker can get away from. I think that Mm -hmm. it is just uh, trendsetting. I mean, it's just to do with your fermentation systems. Straight dough, sponge Mm -hmm. and dough, you can't really change that. Uh, But if you're looking for uh, an improvement in the gluten strength of your dough, Uh, you would need to add inactivated yeast. And inactivated yeast is going to help with relaxing the dough so that you can uh, process it and machine it better. Okay, so not only do you, the bakers have to improve the protein quality, sometimes Mm -hmm. the improvement of the protein quality and quantity will lead to bucky doughs. And that's why you need to use inactivated yeast. So um, let's hope
1: there is no shortage of that in the near future. (laughs) So whether a baker is going to um, pivot to a more robust flour to kind of make up for some of these um, shortages or whether they're going to pivot to like more enzyme based dough conditioner or a, um, or even just changing a starch, what are some of the things they need at the outset of their reformulation process to make sure that it's as efficient as possible?
0: I think it has a lot to do with your uh, supplier and mm-hmm. um, th- your working relationship with your supplier. Are they BRC, SQS certified? I mean, those things are really important to understand right. you know, the regulatory and traceability issues. And then your ingredient label, like you have to work within the confines of your ingredient label, right? I mean, you can't just change something on the go because sometimes your packaging is like six months out.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that was another question I had. Yes, your packaging is usually, I mean, I don't know right now, but six months out, that
0: sounds really short to me. Some people might be longer (laughs) than that, you know, so... When you work with enzymes and when you work within the confines of wheat flour, I mean, those are already on your label, right? So that's the fastest and the easiest way to change anything is to work with anything under uh, flour, yeast, and um, uh, enzymes, because enzymes are usually not declared on the label because they are processing aids, they 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 get baked off. Gotcha. Right. So these are the most uh, easiest things to work with first. And I hope that bakers listening to this, try to work with these first before adding anything else in, before adding a new product in. I think you would find that there is a whole portfolio of enzymes that your dough conditioner provider can work with, you know, before you Mm. put anything else new on your ingredient label.
1: When it comes to the reformulation process, like there are pretty straightforward steps of how to reformulate a product, but it's a long process. I know we don't like to talk about cutting corners, but but are there corners that can be cut to kind of speed things up or are there corners they definitely should not cut when it comes to the reformulations? Um, I think it
0: lies really in flower quality again, whether or mm. not you cut corners there, right? I mean if you're gonna cut corner on flour quality um, then you have to be con- you know make sure that the mills provide it at a consistent um, mm-hmm. at a consistent quality for you. At the same time, you know I think there is a possibility with technology to really cut the gluten because I've seen a yeah. lot of uh, gluten replacing technologies with uh, with enzymes. So, yeah, you can cut mm. gluten, but make sure you use the right enzyme formula. Um, and a lot of the enzyme uh, replacement formulas for gluten include um, uh, fast acting enzymes and ascorbic acid. Make sure when you use this that you might need to look into inactivated yeast as well, you know, because mm-hmm. these uh, protein enhancing dough enzymes. Make it really, really bucky and make it really hard to machine. And if you over oxidize the system, you're going to get blotchiness on the product. So it's a lot to think about. It's not the easiest thing. But if you want to cut corners, I say cut the gluten.
1: I don't know about you, but I am learning so much from these conversations about supply chain. But I'd like to tell you about another project we're working on at Baking & Snack to provide you with some more expert insights, this time on automation and the labor shortage. Baking & Snack partnered with Cypress Research to conduct a study on how bakers are investing in automation specifically to reduce labor, We'll be diving into those findings in our Automating Out of the Labor Challenge webinar, sponsored by AMF Bakery Systems and Reading Bakery Systems. You'll hear insights from Marjorie Helmer of Cypress Research, Rowdy Brixie of Brixie Engineering, and Ken Newsom of Markel Food Group as we dig into the data. What about in the whole back and forth with testing? Is it faster and more efficient to go directly to the supplier's site to work in R&D and troubleshoot this sort of thing? Or is there a way to kind of speed up that back and forth? I think it is
0: easier for you to work with your dough conditioner improver supplier because I feel that all of them have technical support right now they have the intelligence, they have the research, they have the tools. And uh, if you reach out to them, most likely you'll get a flower and dough specialist who have done this before. You know, yeah. um, at the same time, don't forget on training new people and training them how to monitor flower quality. That's really important, you know, and buy the right flower. Try not to try not to buy the cheapest flour, buy, you know, quality flour that that can be um, within uh, your uh, request for protein quality, plus minus 0.5, wherever you you decide your protein quantity to be, you know? um, I, I feel that millers in the field right now have the opportunity to cater to their customers better at this time is time crunch because of our labor issues and to Mm -hmm. for you to really work that relationship with them and form a solid bond that's what i'm saying it's like you really need to massage that relationship with your flour miller to get good quality flour
1: Yeah, that's like a theme that's been coming up in all of these conversations is just the relationships and the communication Mm -hmm. between across the entire supply chain has been so critical to smoothing out this process. Right. So
0: um, at at, at the same time, you know, try to take a uh, a, a bigger lens, you know, onto training your people and uh, getting... It's so hard right now to even say get the right people in place because everybody is struggling, you know, but the people that you have in place, make sure that you train them, make sure that you do whatever Mm -hmm. you can to keep them because they have options.
1: I was curious, you threw out a number there. What is the flour quality, content quality bakers should be looking for and is Does that change depending on the product, the process they're using? Absolutely. Every
0: plant is going to be different depending on the uh, dough system. And like Mm -hmm. I said, flour, uh, you know, flour and sponge, you know, sponge and dough systems are going to require lesser. Um, I've seen some artisanal bread facilities going with 10 to 11 percent. Yeah, really low. Wow. really low uh, protein quality and quantity. And that's because they give it a lot of fermentation and their flour is like very oxidized, very aged. Mm. Um, and to go to a green flour system where the flour is milled within uh, and used within 48 hours and a straight dough system for those kind of systems, you need more gluten. You need more enzymes, you know, for sponge and dough systems using aged flour or longer fermentation times, like eight hours or more, you can go with a lower protein quantity and a better
1: protein quality.
0: Yeah. So it really depends on where you are. Um, I've seen straight dough plants with green flour requiring 13.5 plus minus 0.5%, you know, and that's really,
1: i say that's pretty high. (laughs) I did want to ask um, what applications are going – we've talked about the easiest ingredients to work with on the fly are going to be yeast, Mm -hmm. enzymes, because they're not going to impact the label. Um, What applications are going to be the most forgiving or, on the flip side, the least forgiving when it comes to changes?
0: Oh, it's so hard to give a definitive answer for this. Because again, it really depends on your system. Like sure. th- that's why I don't know if you know me enough uh, to, to hear the things that I've said about sponge and dose systems. Right. I mean, over the last decade, a lot of people have migrated to the straight dose system and um, that's fine until we hit a crisis like that. Um, now is the time where the sponge and dose systems have more forgiving um Mm. are more forgiving towards, you know, the lower uh, protein content, less gluten, you know, um, more fermentation time to uh, accommodate, you know, process errors to accommodate Mm. variation in flour quality. So I have always been an advocate for um, a sponge and dough system. And even though, if you can't accommodate a sponge and dough system, A water brew system is a compromise in between a straight dough and sponge and dough. And yeah, the flour flour brew, utilize your flour brew to a point where you can dump in as much flour as you can in that flour brew. That way it gives your flours more time to condition and better Mm -hmm. extensibility, better performance. So in this aspect, you know, if you can't work the ingredient side, definitely look into optimizing the processing side of things.
1: What about when, because I've had bakers talking to me about having to switch supply, like completely switch suppliers altogether and create a new relationship. How, do, how can they vet new suppliers quickly when that happens?
0: I think you, you should look at your supplier's technical team. Who do, I, mm. who do they have on their technical team? Do they know how to read um, flower specs, right? I would ask that question up front, you know, because a lot of the providers that I work, I used to work with, they all knew how to read specs. They all knew how to read the fernograph. So that mm. would assure me, you know, moving forward that they know how to hit the ground running with me as a baker, you know, here's my here's what yeah. my farinograph looked like. Give
1: me the solution.
0: <laughs> that's what I would look at,
1: and that's how
0: I would switch immediately.
1: And the flour quality is so important because that's the basis of our. Yes, I mean, yeah, it's over fifty percent for a wheat flour situation. You know. Right. I mean, it feels obvious to say, but I feel like we need to just oh, say no, that. No,
0: it's like no, you're not. Yeah, you're not
1: wrong in saying that because a
0: lot of bakers. Actually, right now, as we see this huge resignation going into place where new people are coming in, they look at our, our baking system. They're like, why are you all doing this? You know, it's mm. supposed to be input in, input out. No, baking and flouring dough is totally different. It requires a different kind of science. It's not what goes in must come out. You know, it's it's just mm-hmm. one of the things where the new players or the newer players coming in, need to understand um, some basics of flour and dough and definitely flour science. And to understand that doesn't mean that the more gluten you put in, the better the system's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. um, you need to consider like all this costs associated with gluten. I mean, if you're lucky enough to get gluten, because right now we're just fighting for, right. we're all fighting for gluten, you know? So right. that's the issue It's just, Try to create a better system that does not rely on on added gluten as much. And, you know, back to what I uh, encourage bakers to think long term, sponge and dough, you know, aged flour, you know, a, a longer fermentation system. Those are things to think about if ever we mm. go into a crisis again.
1: I was curious, um, what are the signs like how can't I mean, we've talked about um, leaning into our- your flour quality and looking at potentially other processes. Um, When it comes to kind of looking ahead at getting ahead of this issue, are there signs bakers should watch for or contingency plans they can make when they're not in crisis mode to kind of absorb the next crisis or keep an eye out for the next ingredient that might be short? It is really hard to predict what's coming down the line Mm
0: -hmm. um i am a person who believes in training and the more training Mm -hmm. we can give the most versatile people on the floor is the best we can do right now to to prepare ourselves for what's coming you know when i say the most versatile people on the floor you as you know the plant manager you as the production uh supervisor you need to start building those relationship with the most um Uh, eager people on the floor who can learn, right? Pick them up and make sure that they get on a career path, that they can be trained, that they can be in different stations, you know, um, can be both utilized at the mixer, at the, you know, uh, makeup and at the oven and at the cooling stations, that they can be used on all these positions. And if you identify individuals who can run shifts, who can um run different stations make sure that you train them adequately so that they can be promoted and be you know be part of your team to help with the solution because a lot of the time um in predicaments like that the solution comes from your best people you know and right. you have to rely on them because they are the ones who would be coming up with the solutions for you So I say, you know, um, what can we do? We can train people and we can keep training people and we can do our best to keep the best people that we have in our company and make sure that they remain um, uh, well trained and, and well mentored by you. So that's my solution to that. Um, There (laughs) is because, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's always I mean, there's always ingredient solutions. And I can tell you right now, there is also a brain drain on the ingredient supplier side as well. So Mm -hmm. um, the better people are uh, are joining companies that, you know, have better solutions. And those choices are going to be streamlined here pretty soon. Uh, Yeah, it's just tight. It's a tight labor market all around.
1: Like back to what you were saying about training your own people, like those are the people on the production room floor who are going to be looking mm-hmm. at the ingredient inventory and saying, how do I stretch the gluten inventory that we do? Have? Yeah. What can I do in the mixing bowl or with the flour to ensure that we can make what gluten we do have last and still get a good product out of it? Correct. Um, but they can't make those decisions without. Yeah. Know- without the knowledge, normal. they
0: can't do that. And just for someone without flour and dough, training to think of solutions on the fly like that's pretty dangerous because right they will recommend things that are not <laughs> that are not uh right. that are not suitable like i've seen people try to re- replace gluten with a hydrocolloid like before like a xanthan yeah, no. gum or a um you know a guar gum kind of solution and that's not appropriate i mean mainly because they are two different functionalities altogether you know so you you do see that kind of substitution sometimes and that's because they don't have flour and dough knowledge you know you just mm-hmm. don't replace mm-hmm. gluten with a hydrocolloid. you just don't re- replace gluten by reducing water absorption you replace gluten by a better quality flour better fermentation uh, procedures and definitely enzymes you know, so right. training again is so important. You get to you got to get the right people with flour and dough knowledge into the vital positions in your bakery.
1: So what I'm hearing you say, just to sum up, is invest in your flour. Yep. Have good, strong relationships with your ingredient suppliers yep. who have this know-how mm-hmm. and then train your people to also have this know-how. Correct.
0: It's an all-around solution.
1: <laughs> right, right. Well, then Thank you so much for sharing your your dough know-how with us today on Scent Sliced Bread. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Charlotte. Nice talking to you. Thank you for listening to Scent Sliced Bread. If you'd like to join the conversation, leave us a voicemail at 816-968-7772. Or you can record a message using the Voice Memo app on your smartphone and email it to podcast@soslin.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Scent Slice Bread on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and drop us a review. Scent Slice Bread is a baking and snack podcast produced by Taryn Parker and hosted by Charlotte Atchley.